What's up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to Fitz's Sports Show. It is Wednesday, October 7th. It's a late night podcast session coming at you hot. Now listen, before we get going, I don't want to waste too much of your time on the intro, but if this is your first time here, please do me a favor and head on to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Really head on to whatever social media social media platform you prefer and search Fitz's Sports Show and just drop a follow. It's absolutely free and it really would mean the world to me and it helps me out in more ways than you can imagine. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Thank you guys for being here. As always, it really does mean the world to me that you guys would even consider listening to this podcast. So thank you guys so much. Uh, but without further ado, you know, I'm not about wasting your time. I want to keep it flowing. I want to have a good steady pace to this podcast. Uh, this isn't one of those free form, you know, two, three hour podcasts. Not that there's anything wrong with those because I actually quite like those. But this is a more segmented style of podcasting that I'm trying out. Uh, doing it individually for right now. We're looking to bring guests on in the future. Uh, but for right now, you know, it's just me. And we got the NBA Finals. Lakers went out 3-1. And when I look at this series and really the playoffs as a whole, it really, in my opinion, comes down to superstars. Uh, I think, honestly, I don't want to say it's a miracle that Miami got this far because I don't think it's a miracle. I really do like Miami. I like Jimmy Butler. I think Bam Adebayo is going to be really good. He's already really good. Uh, Goran Dragic has given them a lot in this playoffs. But they weren't, you know, speaking 100% truthfully, they weren't my pick to get to the NBA Finals. And partially because of that, I didn't think they had the superpower, the superstar firepower to get there. Uh, you look at the one game they won this series. Right now the series is 3-1. Uh, the last game they won, Anthony Davis got into some foul trouble and didn't have an Anthony Davis-type game that we normally would expect from a player of his caliber. Uh, and the Lakers ended up dropping that game and losing in the Heat, took advantage of a poor game from Anthony Davis, took advantage of him being in foul trouble. But this last game, and LeBron and AD, they're just it's just too much. It is too much for the Heat to match up with. Uh, Jimmy Butler can't guard them all game. And keep if you, know, if you ask Jimmy Butler to guard them, on defense every possession, you're not going to get the offensive production that you want from him on the offensive end. It's just not the way it works. You have to expend too much energy on the defensive end. Uh, Bam is still hurt. It's tough for him to really to ask too much of him with him being hurt. Tyler Hero, I mean, then you're down to who? who's next? Who's going to be the guy to guard? You know, And you see the, the Lakers really hunting for these mismatches when you put guys like you know, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, uh, Kelly Olenek on the floor. They just hunt. They just go looking, you know, try and get the switch on screens. Any way they can get that uh, mismatch with LeBron or AD with one of those guys guarding them, they'll hunt for it, and the superstars are just too much. And when you have, you know, the answer to that is, okay, let's put Jimmy on him and try and, you know, slow him down that way. But then Jimmy's not going to give you the offensive production that you need. You already have your starting point guard, Goran Dragic, who provides a lot of the scoring punch out. So now you're relying on a 20-year-old Tyler Hero to consistently produce on offense in the NBA Finals 
And quite frankly, that's just not very realistic. So to me, the story of the series isn't that the Heat uh, aren't good enough or that the Heat injuries really prevented them from winning the series. I think it's just the Lakers superstars are just too much and the Heat do not have the firepower to match up with them. But the Heat have done a good job of, you know, making it this far. And there's without a doubt, they're the premier destination if you're a superstar in this upcoming free agency. A lot of eyes are going to be on them this offseason. You know, if you can go out and snag another superstar, well, now you have two. You know, you have Jimmy Butler and whoever you can get in free agency. Now you're looking really good because you already have the pieces in place. Tyler Hero is only getting older. Duncan Robinson is only getting older. They're getting more experience getting, you know, valuable playing time in meaningful basketball, the most meaningful basketball you can play in the NBA Finals. For Tyler Hero to be contributing in a meaningful way and playing very meaningful minutes at only 20 years old really is going to help his development. And I think, quite frankly, him losing this Finals and a lot of these Heat players losing this Finals honestly might serve them better in the future because they're going to get that taste of losing. They're going to get that taste of defeat. And they're a close-knit team. You know, if you look at some teams, they implode when they get that taste of losing. And some teams, it, they use it to fuel them and they come back stronger. Like, look at the when LeBron first went to Miami. They lost their first NBA Finals. They had the pieces in place. But they had to taste the loss, right? They had to taste losing and see what it's like and use that to come back and improve and they stay together as a team and we know what happened there they end up winning championships i think this miami heat team could follow in that pattern if they add another superstar this free this offseason which i'm sure they're on a lot of guys radar if you're a superstar in the nba i do not see why you wouldn't want to go play for miami it's just a great organization from the top up you have pat riley running the show who one of the best basketball minds ever Eric Spolstra, we've seen what he can do coaching. He's a championship-caliber coach. You already have great young pieces involved, so you're going to be good for years in the future. You have another star in Jimmy Butler. You have a great you know, star in the making in Bam Adebayo. If you're a superstar, it makes complete sense to come join the Miami Heat. But for right now, they just do not have the firepower, in my opinion, to beat this Lakers team. And that's just what it is, in my opinion. Uh, moving on to the next topic, we're going to have some NFC least talk. Let's get right into it. The NFC least is back at it again. Uh, you guys know I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I always have to preface segments when I talk about the Dallas Cowboys because I do not want to sound... Well, I'm, I know I'm going to sound a little biased, and that's just how it's going to be. Uh, I do my best, and I I really do look at it through a lens that's not so focused on me being a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Because believe me, I'm not the Dallas Cowboys fan to sit here and you know say the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl every year or say promise success that I do not think they're going to believe. If the Cowboys suck, I will tell you the Cowboys suck. If I'm always going to try and tell it to you straight, regardless of whether I'm a fan of that team or not. But that's just part of it, right? We all have our teams. We all have our preferences. We all have people, players. Some guys like to follow players around. Some guys are just team-oriented. Me, personally, I'm a team guy. I like, I have my teams, and I'm going to always 
cheer for them. But I'm not naive enough to think that my team is always the best. And I have the humility to be able to say, hey, we're just not very good. But I do know this. The NFC East is not a very good division. So right now, to throw around a little facts, uh, the NFC East is the only division without a team with a winning record. Let that sink in. Every other division in the NFL has one, if not two, if not maybe even three teams with a winning record. The NFC East does not offer a single team with a, and a with a winning record. So th- I was just thinking about that because I am a Cowboys fan and I do follow the division very closely. I'm wondering what is going on because I remember when the NFC East was actually a powerhouse of a division. You had three really good teams. You had the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants. The Redskins really haven't been great for a long time. But you had three teams that you could battle, that would battle out for the top of the division. It was a really fun division to watch. Now you can hardly even stand to watch these teams. So let's just start from the very bottom, the Giants. What's the Giants' problem? Uh, When I look at the Giants, obviously the Saquon Barkley injury is a big, big blow, and it's obviously affecting their offense. They only have 306 rushing yards so far this year. That is second worst in the league. They just really, really miss Saquon Barkley. Uh, But their problems do not stop there. They're not good passing either. They're 26th in passing. Daniel Jones still... Still a young guy, and I've always said, you know, with young quarterbacks, sometimes the best thing to do is let him sit, and Daniel Jones is a guy that kind of got thrown into it. I still think he has good good talent. I'm not as high on him as I am on other young quarterbacks, and especially not in New York because I don't think New York has the system in place. I don't trust Jason Garrett to really foster Daniel Jones into a good quarterback, and quite frankly, they just don't have the talent around him. We've seen... It's just issues. Besides Saquon, they do not have a lot of talent on that team. And I think that's why you see them struggling. I I don't think there's an end in sight for you Giant fans this year. I do not think the Giants are going to have a miraculous turnaround. Uh, Second worst team in the division is the Washington football team. And, you know, big news coming out of Washington today. Dwayne Haskins wasn't just benched. He was actually demoted to third string. So he went from pretty much in a week, if we're tracking this the right way, he went from pretty much in a week to being the guy, having the trust of the whole coaching staff, the whole organization, and then looking at him as a franchise quarterback. To fast forward to this week, he's now third string with pretty much saying, hey, you are our last option. We do not want to see you on the field. Uh Personally, I don't agree with the decision. I still like Dwayne Haskins. I think he's a good quarterback. I think under the right system, given the opportunities, I think he could be very successful. Like I said, he's a young quarterback. You have got to let young quarterbacks learn. But when you look at an organization like Washington, historically, a lot of quarterback trouble. They do not have elite quarterbacks. They don't produce good quarterbacks they don't do a good job developing quarterbacks they don't do a good job drafting quarterbacks there are not a team if you're a quarterback you do not want to be in Washington uh whether it be injury problems with Robert Griffin III uh Alex Smith which who I love by the way a Utah guy uh hopefully I, I don't know where he's at with his health if he could ever you know compete at the level he used to at before because I think he's a really good quarterback but I also think Dwayne Haskins could be a really good quarterback. 
Uh, but he's still trying to figure out. I like him better than Daniel Jones with the Giants. I think he's, if you gave me a pick between one of the two, I'd probably pick Dwayne Haskins over Daniel Jones. That's just personal preference. Uh, and I'm looking around the league. I'm seeing these quarterbacks who keep getting a chance. I just do don't understand the Redskins, or sorry, not the Redskins, the Washington football team's thinking on this one. I think, you know, he's your young guy. You know he's young. He's still trying to learn the game. He, it's his third head coach in, I think, as many years. How are you really going to expect him to play well? You have to provide stability. If there's one thing that's going to help a young quarterback succeed in the NFL, it's stability. Head coaching stability. Offensive coordinator stability. Give him a chance. Because like I said, it takes quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, time to get used to the system. When they have to keep getting used to a new system every year, it only makes it harder. Because on top of trying to figure out the system and you know how they fit into the system, how to work the system the best way, they're also trying to figure out how to fit in the league. They're trying to figure out how to fit as people. You know, they got all this money in their life now. They got a lot of things going on, football related and not football related, for these young athletes. You have to provide them some sort of stability. No young quarterback is going to succeed. You could throw anyone into that situation. They're not going to succeed. So until you provide stability as an organization, you're going to keep having quarterback trouble. Uh, I do not think Dwayne Haskins getting benched, it doesn't make me think any less of him. Uh, I do not think it's indicative of the quarterback he is, of the talent that he has. I think it is a very strong indicator that the Washington organization is just a poorly run organization. And, you know, they have Ron Rivera, who I am a fan of him. I thought he did a great job in Carolina. Obviously saw some good results there with the Panthers and Cam Newton. Uh, and they're rallying around their head coach. So, you know, they, they, they're starting to get there. They have a head coach who's proven, has a good track record of success. They have something to fight for because Ron Rivera, you know, battling cancer, wishing him the absolute best and a full recovery. But they're rallying around him. They are. So why create this chaos when hey you might have a year yeah you might not make the playoffs this year but you aren't making the playoffs whoever you put a quarterback you don't have enough talent around the quarterback you don't have enough consistency in the organization you're not going to win and they you keep trying to shortcut you keep trying to look for the quick fix benching Dwayne Haskins for who I think whoever Kyle Allen I don't even know who's gonna be the quarterback I think it's Kyle Allen if I even have his name right he's the the fact that I don't even know his name tells you he's not the answer at quarterback. I would much rather let Dwayne Haskins figure it out, throw him out there, lose a couple games, might look really bad, people might start doubting him, but at least he's learning, he's getting experience under a head coach, stick with Ron Rivera for a while, don't let him go anywhere, and let's develop a culture, develop a system. Give the young guy a chance. Don't just throw him out to the wolves and be surprised when he comes back shredded. You can't do that. You've got to let these young quarterbacks grow and develop. Next team we're trying to figure out in this whole NFC least madness is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, my Dallas Cowboys. Quite honestly, the defense is not getting it done. Uh, they're in the top 10 for passing yards allowed, which isn't good. They've just been shredded each and every week. They seem to just be getting shredded. Uh, they've given up 12 touchdowns, which is the second highest in the league. And the caveat to that is they've only taken the ball away once. They've had one interception this whole year. 
That's tied for second lowest in the league. So you have this formula, this Dallas Cowboys formula of, hey, our defensive plan, we're going to go out there, we're going to let quarterbacks throw on us a lot, we're going to give up a lot of touchdowns, but we're not going to create any turnovers. That is a recipe. You could not write a better formula for how to lose football games. And with all that being said, this leads to a lot of points being put up. So then the pressure shifts to Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, who are very talented in their own right. And they have shown with if that offense didn't have the talent that it had, the Cowboys would be getting obliterated. It's a miracle that Dak is the quarterback he is, which, hey, if you're not putting respect on Dak's name by now, then you're just not watching close enough. Dak Prescott is the reason the Cowboys have even had a chance in any of their games. He has played at a level that is ungodly. And this isn't me just being a fan of Dak. He leads the league in uh, yards by 300, right? Passing yards. The next closest guy is uh, Josh Allen, and he is 300 yards behind Dak. That's like a whole game. Uh, but in my eyes, the defense is the problem in Dallas. Uh, Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator, if I'm him, I'm looking over my shoulder because if this continues, you're not going to have a job. Dak and the offense are putting up the numbers to win football games. It's just the defense can't keep the other team under 40. That's a problem. When you're when you're up amongst the highest in the league in uh, touchdowns allowed and you're down amongst the bottom feeders in takeaways, that's a recipe to lose football games. That's putting unrealistic pressure on the offense. You're pretty much saying, Dak, you know, Dak, Zeke, Amari, offense, go out and score every time. Because if you don't, we're not going to win the game. And, you know, to the offense's credit, they've answered the bell. They have done their part. In my opinion, the offense is not the problem. It is the defense. If Dallas can figure out their defense, I think they're a very good football team. I think they can turn it around. Now to the team that's currently leading the division, the Philadelphia Eagles. And they're not looking good either. They're kind of the opposite. It seems like the defense is kind of taking the offense and lifted them up. So Wentz has seemed to take a step back. At, uh, not what you want to see from your franchise quarterback. I know a lot of people in Philly are not happy with Carson Wentz. Uh, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I still think he's a good quarterback, but for some reason he's really, you know, having a bad rough start to this year. Uh, he's 20th in passing yards, and he only has four touchdowns to seven interceptions, which is the most interceptions in the league. Uh, Decision-making has been a problem for him this year. Uh, he's never been a guy that made the best decisions on the football field, but he is always a guy that, you know, seems to keep you in games. And we'll say this about Wentz. You know, he might make mistakes, but he's a guy who, like Dak Prescott, is always going to battle, and he's going to – he's a winner. He's going to always keep you close in games. He's going to give you a shot. But it's, if you're a Philly fan, I think you're a little alarmed of why is our franchise quarterback – who's been on this steady uh, incline of improvement, all of a sudden, t you know, on a start, sharp decline and starting to take a step back at this point in their career. This is the point in, you know, his career where he should be taking the, the leap from a good quarterback to an elite quarterback. This is when you right head into his prime. You want him to really make that jump. And for him to not be making that jump is alarming. I'm not saying go out and bench him. Don't pull a Washington and bench him. Uh, I think you write it out. I, I do think Wentz isn't going to finish with the most interceptions in the NFL. I think he's going to end up 
improving his numbers and end up being, you know, at the end of the year, we're going to have a different opinion about Wentz than we do right now. Uh, but the defense, you know, they've been serviceable. They've kept them in games. They're top 20 in passing yards allowed. So not great, but not awful. And they're 12th in rushing yards allowed. So they're pretty good against the run. Uh, they're keeping them in games. But looking ahead in this division, the way I see it playing out from here on out, I do think that the two teams in this division who are going to end up making noise, at least doing better and improving, I think Dallas and I think Philly have talent on the roster that they're playing below the talent that they have. I expect them both to turn around and fight for the division title. I think it's going to be a race to the finish between those two. I think they're going to be pretty much neck and neck all year. It might come down to the last couple of weeks to decide who wins the division. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go with my Cowboys to win the division, but it's going to be neck and neck. I don't think Washington and the Giants are there quite yet. I don't think they have the the talent. I think there is a talent gap between uh, them and the Cowboys and Eagles, but I I don't know. I, I wish I had some sort of good news for uh, you Giants and Reds and Washington fans, but I mean, Washington, what are you doing? I don't, I don't think you bench Dwayne Haskins. I don't think that's the right move. And if you're, you know, a Giants fan, you just got to hope Saquon gets healthy and gets back on the field. Because until then, I really do not see this ship turning around. Uh, but let's hop right into the next segment. Chris Paul trade rumors to the New York Knicks. We're coming back to the NBA for our third topic of the show. Uh, there's some trade rumors going on. Uh, it seems like the Knicks are always a team that is involved in trade rumors. They can't get them in free agency. Uh, if you're a Knicks fan, the amount of times that you've been scorned in free agency, uh, it has to be frustrating because the Knicks have so much potential. Being in New York, they could really be a powerhouse of basketball, but the ownership structure... Uh, the owner, the lack of stability as an organization, that is something that you're really fighting against yourself. And that's tough when you're uh, an organization who is really just fighting to get a fair shot. Your owner is doing you no favors. He's done you no favors. And that's tough to overcome. And I think the Knicks have been a product of that for a long, long time. If I'm the Knicks, I'm definitely looking to acquire a player via trade because I do not feel confident about my chances of getting a free agent to come to New York in the offseason unless I'm the Brooklyn Nets, quite frankly. Uh, so with that being said, I believe the Knicks are you know, thinking that in the same line of thinking. The, the reports are coming out that the Knicks are putting a trade package together for Chris Paul. Chris Paul, you know, in Oklahoma City this year, I think, showed a lot of people that he is not done yet. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, wrote that Thunder team off. I did not think with Russell Westbrook being gone, I thought Chris Paul was on the tail end of his career, which I think he still is. But Chris Paul put together a phenomenal year. The Oklahoma City Thunder team has a lot of great young talent, and I'm actually high on the Thunder for years to come. But with that being said, if I'm the Thunder, I am looking for a way to move on from Chris Paul. Not because I don't like Chris Paul, I don't like what he brings to the table, but be just the simple fact that he's just getting old. He's just getting older. And he had a great year this year, but it's really a crapshoot on if you're going to get that next year or if he's going to be healthy 
at what point does his game start taking a step back? And you definitely, I think, want to get out in front of that because his value is high now. It's probably the highest it's going to be for the rest of his career. If he comes out next year, has a bad year, his trade value goes down, and you might end up getting stuck. Plus, he has a big contract. So if you want to bring in guys, it's tough to bring them in when you have a, a Chris Paul who's definitely on the tail end of his career weighing down the salary cap. Uh, no disrespect to Chris Paul. He had a great year, but if I'm the Thunder, I look to get rid of him. And, you know, you're looking around. I think a lot of teams are thinking the same thing about Chris Paul. It's, hey, he might be good for another year, maybe two, but we don't know. You know, he could get injured. We don't know when his game's going to start to decline. So we're probably not going to give a whole lot. So if you're Sam Presti in the Oklahoma City Thunder, you're looking around the league and thinking, what team can we kind of pawn Chris Paul off to? Let's look at Let's take a roll call of the dysfunctional teams in the NBA. The Charlotte Hornets, eh, probably not interested, not in a position where they can contend. Probably doesn't make a lot of sense for them to bring in a salary cap guy. All right, let's look. Who else? Uh, oh, let's, let's try New York. Maybe the Knicks. Okay, yeah, we know the Knicks. You know, they're hungry for, hungry for a superstar. You know, they're just desperate to win. They haven't won in forever. Uh, they're looking to bring in free agents in the offseason. Maybe Chris Paul gives them some leverage to bring another guy in. I don't know. Let's try the Knicks. And the Knicks, in my opinion, should not be putting together a trade package to take Chris Paul. And here's why. Like I said, Chris Paul is just too old. If I'm the Knicks and I'm trading for a superstar, I'm trading for a superstar that can help me now. See Paul George. I, if I'm the Knicks, I'm calling the Clippers and saying, hey, I hear there's some dysfunction. Uh... Paul George didn't play as well as you probably hoped for in the playoffs. Hey, we'll put together a package. We'll give you Kevin Knox. We'll give you Frank Nilakina, uh, the kid from France. And we'll give you a couple picks, and we'll, we'll take Paul George off your hands. Okay, now you have a star who's kind of, you know, still in his prime, still, you know, in a capacity where he's able to compete and he wants to win a championship. Then you could probably bring another piece from free agency, maybe. You help your chances out a lot better than I do than I think you do with Chris Paul. But the package that's reportedly being offered for Chris Paul includes Kevin Knox, who I'm high on. I like him as a young prospect. I think he's showing a lot of signs that hey, he could be a, a solid player in this league. Frank Nilakina, who really hasn't shown me enough where I'm, you know, going all in and trading my franchise guy for him. But if you offer enough picks, I'd probably take it. I think Sam Presti and the Thunder, if they offer that, you should take that in a heartbeat. You get two young guys to add to your already young core. Oh, you already have Shai Gilgis-Alexander, Steven Adams. You're a pretty solid team. You have a good base to rebuild around. One, two years, maybe you're back in the playoffs. Who knows? If I'm the Knicks, eh, I'm not high on Chris Paul. I'd rather see Paul George. I'm calling the Clippers, and I'm trying to make a deal happen there because I'm not confident that a player will actually come there in free agency. But we'll see how it all plays out. You know, this time of year, there's always a lot of rumors. There's always a lot of hearsay. He said this, he said that. You know, I think the initial report I saw on Twitter is that the Knicks had actually offered this to the Thunder, which I think if it had been offered any day now, we're expecting to hear that accepted. Because if you're Sam Presti and the Thunder, I don't think you – you would decline that offer. I think that puts you in a very good spot. So that leads me to conclude that this probably hasn't been a package that has actually been offered quite yet. It's probably more speculation from inside the Knicks organization of what we can put together. But if any Knicks executive is listening to this podcast, which 
I have no idea why you'd be listening to this podcast. Don't trade for Chris Paul, New York. Just don't do it. I get what you're trying to do. It makes sense on paper. If we can trade for this superstar who's, you know, a lot of guys want to play with, you know, he makes guys around him better, maybe that makes it so we can go out in free agency and get another superstar. It makes sense in theory, but you got to look deeper into it. Chris Paul, he's getting up there in age. Yes, he had a great year this year. Yes, he carried that Thunder team, but he doesn't have that many years left in him where he can play at that high and consistent level. Quite honestly, this could have been Chris Paul's last big hurrah of his career. You don't know that. He could go out and get injured this next year and be out for most of the year. It's too big a risk to give up. Why give up so many young pieces for an aging star with a big contract? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I would search for you know a team like the Clippers who, hey, they might be willing to make a change. They, they have some frustration there. So look at Paul George. Maybe, I don't know, any other... I'm just trying to put the package, you know, together. But a, a team I would say that should try and look for Chris Paul is the Milwaukee Bucks. You gotta give Giannis something now. If you're Milwaukee, you know Giannis probably isn't happy. We saw the stuff of him unfollowing all the Milwaukee Bucks teammates, the organization, everyone. That doesn't make me feel good if I'm a Milwaukee GM. I'm thinking, hey, we are in... You're starting your sales pitch to Giannis now. As a matter of fact, you probably should have already started your sales pitch to Giannis. You cannot surround him and give him another year with Chris Middleton and all those guys. That's no disrespect to them. But you have got to bring in another guy like Chris Paul. I get he's older. Like I said, everything. But that's a team that can probably afford to take a risk and get a, a aging player like Chris Paul. Because they're in contend now mode. The Knicks aren't contending with or without Chris Paul. You bring Chris Paul in and you bring another superstar. Maybe you get into the playoffs and maybe you can make a run. But you're probably not going to win the championship regardless. Now, if you're the Bucks, you have all the pieces in place. You're just missing that one guy. You're missing one piece, and Chris Paul could be that piece. You could bring Chris Paul in. He doesn't have to carry the load like he did with OKC. He can kind of sit back and still contribute and be, you know, gracefully aged and maybe go out with a championship. I think it's a win-win for Milwaukee and for Chris Paul because I think Milwaukee has the facilities in place to take on a guy like Chris Paul who might be a little riskier being older. But New York does not. So New York, stick to trying to trade for Paul George. That's really, in my opinion, New York's best option. I'm calling the Clippers up tomorrow, and I'm asking them to you know, try and facilitate a trade if I'm the New York Knicks. Now let's get into our last topic, which is going to be the viewership for the NBA Finals and why it is down. <laughs> Final topic for this podcast. Once again, just one friendly reminder that, hey, if you've made it this far, you might as well head on over to Instagram. You might as well head over to Twitter and Facebook. Click that search bar and look for Fitz's Sports Show. Because at this point, you're part of the family. You made it this far in the podcast. You might as well stick around. You might as well become part of this whole thing. So make sure to click a follow. Uh, check back here, You know whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Make sure to follow on there so you know when the new episodes drop. I'm trying to make a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, I've been bad at doing that so far, but my schedule is kind of becoming less crazy and it's becoming more manageable to get them out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So that'll be the goal. But 
the final topic of today is the NFL viewership. And let's just preface this. I do not want this to become a political uh, shit show where I'm not going to get into politics. I know that some of you people, some of you guys or girls are probably, you know what? No, I'm not even going to say that. We're just going to wide. Let's just go over the numbers. Game one viewers for the NBA Finals was 7.4 million. Game two was 6.1 million. And game three was only 5.9 million. If you look at games two and three, those are all-time lows for NBA Finals viewership. All-time lows. Last year's NBA Finals, just for a little comparison, last year's NBA Finals averaged about 15.1 million viewers per game. So numbers are considerably down, you know, almost alarmingly so. If you're the NBA, you're kind of probably a little nervous about this. So why? Why are the numbers down? This is where it can get a little dicey with the politics. I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with what I have to say. A lot of people think that viewers are down just simply because the NBA is taking a political stance. But here's my argument to that. The NFL numbers are only down slightly and they're the league that, you know, with the whole Colin Kaepernick stuff that almost started this political revolution in sports where athletes are using their voice to speak on political issues. Now, I'm not going to take a side on either of these things. I do not want to get political with it, so I'm not going to do that. I will say this. I do support everyone's right to freedom of speech. That's all I'm going to say on this topic. I'm not going to get too political. Uh, game two on Friday. Uh so some reasons why it might be going down. So we know game two is on Friday. And if you know about TV of viewership, it's known that Fridays tend to not be a great day for viewership. A lot of people aren't watching TV on Friday, especially Friday night. Game two was on Friday. So that could explain why viewership was a little bit lower. That could be a contributing factor. The NBA historically never has finals games on Friday. They don't do it with COVID this year. Things are a little wacky. They, had to put an NBA Finals game on Friday, and the viewership numbers suffered. That's probably part of it. We can't discount that. That's probably not the entire reason why viewership are down, but that's definitely a part of it, right? Is that at least for game uh, two that was on Friday. Now, game three on Sunday, what else is happening on Sunday? The biggest sport in all of America, football, whether you like it or not, the USA is a football country. They love the NFL. So, you know, a lot of people, they'll watch the NBA because football is not on. But now, for the first time, the NBA Finals are competing with the NFL, postseason baseball, and college football. It, it makes sense to me to say that, hey, a lot of the viewers being down might be because people simply aren't watching the league, not for political reasons, but they're watching it because they're they're not watching because they're watching other leagues. We know the NFL draws in crazy numbers, right? They're the predominant sports league in America. Basketball and baseball are probably going head-to-head for number two. So you have the three biggest sports, probably four biggest sports if you're counting college football, all going on at the same time. It only makes sense that viewership would be down. Uh, normally, a traditional NBA Finals is in June. Uh they're not competing with the NFL at that time. It's not NFL season. You're only competing with the NHL and 
regular season baseball, which let's be honest, no one watches regular season baseball. We all know the dog days of baseball gets, you know, a hundred and whatever game, 160, whatever. No one's watching. I hate to, if you love baseball, that's not a knock on baseball. It's just the season's so damn long, people. No one, unless you're a diehard baseball fan, which there are diehard baseball fans, people don't watch all the games. I think even diehards don't watch all games. But this year is a little different. COVID-19 has screwed everything up. Now, a lot of people are going to point to this and say, hey, it's political. It's because the NBA is taking a political stance. I think maybe that's part of it. That might have lost you some viewers. But I think to say that's the only reason is just nearsighted. You're not looking at the total broad spectrum. I'm not saying any one of these things is the single cause for why the NBA has lost viewers. I do not think that's the only reason. I don't think there's only one reason why the NBA is losing viewers. I think it's a, a mixture between politics, between you know timing with having to compete with all these major sports leagues. Um, there's so many reasons, and to say that it's just one specific reason for why the NBA is losing numbers, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, football's king. That's what it comes down to is people are watching the NFL, and you know there are a lot of diehard basketball fans who are watching the NBA Finals over regular season football. You know, I would be one of those people if I had a choice and only one, you know, for example, this during this last game, I was watching uh, during game three, that was on Sunday, rather, I was watching uh, the NBA game on my TV and I had uh, Monday night football or Sunday night football, rather, on my computer. I was watching both. Now, imagine, you know, the, the casual fan, the person that doesn't have a podcast to talk about all this stuff on, they're probably not going to pull up the computer. They're probably not going to watch both. They're probably going to pick. And the, in America, you know, where football is so popular, it's probably more likely they're going to turn on the NFL for Sunday Night Football, especially when uh, this NBA Finals isn't as competitive as the past NBA Finals. Or I think if you see, if we had a Cavs-Warriors going on right now, I think we'd see more viewers. But being as, you know, the Heat are down 3-1 now, and the first couple games weren't exactly competitive, uh, LeBron and AD kind of rolled over the heat. I think that might have turned a lot of people off as well. So I don't think it's just one thing. I think you have to look at the whole entirety and look at all the reasons for why viewership might be down. Now, from the NBA, yeah, you're a little alarmed for sure. You're you know trying to think what can we do to drive up numbers, or but I think overall the NBA is probably not panicking too much. You know, Adam Silver and and the the guys in the NBA the guys and girls that run the show, they're, they're smart, right? They know, they know what's going on. They know that, Hey, we're up against some stiff competition. They have self-awareness. I don't think anyone in the NBA is under the idea that they're the premier league in sports because that spot is clearly held by the NFL. And, you know, I think when you have to compete directly with the NFL, it's a tough for any sport to ask, you know, baseball's numbers aren't great. Even the NFL is dipping slightly, and that could possibly be due to, you know, other sports going on as well. So I'm not panicking. I'm going to give it some time. If I'm the NBA, I'll say, okay, let's just get through this year. Let's finish off. Probably only got one finals game left. Probably will get around 6 million viewers for it, maybe. Who knows? Finish off this year, get through COVID, start up next year, and then we'll look at where our numbers are. And, you know, I bet you that they rebound tremendously. I bet they come back up to normal as the world kind of comes back to normalcy as well. I think the NBA numbers will go back to normal as well. 
But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it really does mean a lot to me. I'm seeing that a lot of you viewers, you know, I think 80% of us are in the U.S. Uh, there's actually 27% Ireland, which is, which is really cool to me that this podcast has even made it that far. Uh, I really do appreciate every one of you. And, you know, I hate to to keep asking, but it would really help me if you could drop a follow on social media and follow this podcast. Uh, shoot me a DM if you can. Uh, I'm going to start doing shout outs. So uh, if you give me one second, I'm going to pull up my Instagram and I'm going to shout out one of my followers on the Instagram. So if you want a chance to be entered into this, make sure that you uh, check out the podcast make sure you check me out on social media and follow me on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, I will try to shout out one of you guys once an episode. For today's episode, uh, shout out, we're going to do, let's look, let's look, let's look. Um, trying to find one of my OG followers. We will do, all right, we'll do this. How about, if uh, if you guys are listening to this, go follow Al Taylor, that's A-L-T-A-Y, L-O-R-7522 on Instagram. Uh, he's a loyal follower. If you want a chance to be shouted out in the next episode, make sure to head over to Instagram at Fitz's Sports Show. Drop a follow. And hey, if you really want to increase your chance, just shoot me a DM with a suggestion for what you think should be, you know, some changes or some improvements I could make to the show. Thank you guys so much for watching, or for listening, rather. And we'll see you guys in the next show.